You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Yep, yep, yep. Good afternoon, everybody. How is everyone doing so far on this beautiful Wednesday, April 28th, 2021? You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. If you can't tell by my tweets, if you can't tell by, well, I mean, I always sound this animated on air, but I'm really excited about today's show. Got two really good guests calling in. We'll get into that in a little bit, but... um. Got a lot to cover. We're going to be talking a lot about college football, and we have to get into the ins and outs towards the end of the NBA regular season because there's a lot to talk about. Um, I'm sorry, the playoffs tip off in like three weeks. So just like that, remember, it's a shortened 72-game season this year due to COVID. Season started in, what, December, right after the NBA Finals finished in October after the longest NBA season in NBA history. So... Here we go, man. So today, what is today? April 28th. Two people that you might know whose birthdays they are, like kind of look it up, whose birthday it is when I come on here. So today, Jessica Alba turns 40. Penelope Cruz turns 47. That doesn't make any sense judging by how they look. They don't even look (laughs) a day past 30. But yes, Jessica Alba, you know her from like what? Sin City, the Fantastic Four, the Eye, a whole bunch of other stuff. And Penelope Cruz... Uh, from Spain. I didn't know she was from Spain. I had no idea. I thought she was Colombian. I thought she was Colombian. I thought she was Colombian. I had no idea she was from Spain. Pirates of the Caribbean, Vanilla Sky. Blow. I never, I never saw that. Blow. Put it, go watch it today. I never go saw it. Go watch it today. Yeah. In fact, cancel the rest of your show and just put it on Netflix <laughs> right now and start watching it. <laughs> Thanks for that, Frank. And... Um, I wanted to talk about that. I might as well tell you what the guests are. And like I said, anybody that follows me on Twitter should already know. Chris Felica of ESPN's College Game Day is going to be joining us in the very next segment. So stay right here. He'll be calling in around 1220. We're going to talk to him about uh, college football. Never too late to talk about that, especially if you're a big-time college football head like myself. Uh, Also, my boy... uh, Kason Davis is calling in. We're going to talk some NBA hoops. I really, really trust his insight. Smart guy knows his stuff. We're going to do that. But this weekend, Frank, I want to get your input, what you thought about Saturday evening. I think everybody was kind of doing the same thing. They were locked into that really, really good MMA card. But the main event, let's talk about the main event. Uh, Usman versus Jorge Masvidal, Miami's own, the, what do they call himself, game bread? Yeah, game bread. He was game dead by the end oh, of the yeah. fight, man. I thought, I, thought, I thought he killed him, for real. Like, when his body bounced off Usman, like, I was like, oh, my God, he looked like yeah, a rag doll, looked, bro. He looked still. He yeah. wasn't moving. But that was – you know what I think? A lot of people are saying that, oh, that's it. They fought twice. No. Don't fight again. I kind of disagree once. with that. To me, they fought once. They yeah. fought once. The other one, Jorge stepped up because he always steps up. Right. And he never says no to any opportunity. Uh, and on six days' notice, didn't six have a full days. training camp. He kind of just jumped in, got the call. I'm like, oh, you need a sub? All right, I got you. Boom. Yeah. Don't worry. I don't care if I'm slow. I got in. Yeah. And he said it afterwards after the fight. He came in to wrestle 25 straight minutes with Usman. Right. Usman that. had never shown that type of, com- um, I guess, uh, uh, right aerial combat <laughs> because he's always on the ground. So right. he's never shown that aerial combat right. uh, to him. So he had been training with a professional for, for, for this training camp. And Jorge didn't expect it. No. He got him good. He said something on ESPN yesterday, which I, which caught my eye, which it's, it pretty much explains everything that goes on. Uh, quote, I thought he was going in for a shot, and when I realized it wasn't a shot, it was too late. Damn. I was throwing my cheek left hook, but it was already too late. I read the information wrong, so he sold it to me beautifully, and that's why he got those results. Gosh. Of that moment right there, I'm a fan because I love the sport so much. It's just beautiful technique. And he's absolutely right. 
It came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. And you know, like in the movies, whenever like you see in the movies or like when somebody does like the picture perfect knockout and uh -huh. like they slow everything down and the flashes go off. That's what that was. In in real life, <laughs> it was because I saw everything slow down and immediately my hands just went on my head. Oh I couldn't believe God. it. My yeah. my jaw was on the floor until Jorge finally spoke up. He looked like he was throwing a baseball pitch, Usman did. That's how like the wind up and everything and he just went through yeah. Masvidal. And I, it was a violent, violent hit, man. It was a violent hit. And I'm not a fan of MMA unless I, it's, you know, a really good card how it was. I was really big on Ronda Rousey. And the other fights, they were just as good. Oh, Doug man. Rose, man, caught her. Too. There was, look, it was a very violent card. There was a lot of injuries and things like that. A lot of knockouts. A lot of fights that, ha that went in and out real quick. Yeah. Usually don't see that. Usually see a drag on. Um... But the fight before, which was Thug Rose, and I can't remember her competitor's name. She was champion the champion before. Asian, the, the Asian Chinese girl, I, right? I was, yeah, she, I thought she was going to win. She caught her. I thought she was going to win, too. And when Rose caught her with that foot, she caught her slipping. Listen, look, yeah. that's, that's the way fighting is, and that's the way combat sports are. And it happens both in the ring and it happens in the street. Yeah. Not one to condone fighting, but unfortunately, that's what it is. Right. The smallest guy can win at any given point. Oh, you're right. You just have to catch them the right way. You catch them in the right spot. You catch them with the right amount of pressure. You catch them... That's all you need. The right time, you're going to knock anybody out. And I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I was giving Jorge an opportunity. I'm oh, Miami 305 all day long, but I don't... Bro, as long as Usman took his shirt off, I said... <laughs> I did. I was on the edge of my seat, and I did one of these. <laughs> all right. Bro, come on. Like, it looked, oh, he it looked straight out of a Rocky movie. He you have this impressive. guy, yeah, the good guy, and all of a sudden the other guy, yeah! Oh, shh, <laughs> Nikes. <laughs> He looked impressive, man. And, I mean, you know what? Masvidal that looked different without his when he took his shirt off, too, because he didn't look. He had to lose, what, like 20 pounds in those He lost 20-something pounds, right. Okay. Uh, he looked different. I mean, he looked a little bit more chiseled. That's not his body type, but he looked to be more in shape than however many months ago that first one was. But, man, I, I, I would tune into a, to a third one, really second one, if they decide to have it go again. And, well, uh, he ran up to him right away, and I mean, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not a member of the body language university or anything like that, but I know how to read lips a little bit. Mm -hmm. I like uh, People talk bad about me behind my back, so I have to learn how to talk, <laughs> how to read lips. No, I'm just kidding. But you saw him running back. I know Miami lingo, at least, uh -huh. and the way the vibe is, and right. the way that Jorge walked up to Usman and told him, hey, but you're going to let me run it back, right? With that little bit of a Spanish charm kind of leaning in with it. Mm -hmm. Bro, but you're gonna, we're going to run it back, right? Like one of those. You can read his <laughs> lips. Jorge's not going to go down like that. Milan nah. was telling me that okay, he's done. He's going to retire. No, nah, I don't think Listen, so. this is a guy that's never gotten knocked out. This is a guy that's never been on his back. The one people. time he got knocked out, he was dazed, and he was still making an effort to get up yeah. to be a part of that fight. Yeah. So he wasn't just going to just roll over like that. No. Masvidal's not ending his career on a knockout. No, 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 no. Definitely not that. I, I had no idea he was 36, though. I had no idea. He was, I know he's a you know late bloomer and everything like that, but I still don't think that his age is going to knock him out of the ring. And, and like, Aronda Rousey after, what's her name, just kind of demolished her career. I don't think that's going to happen at all. So that happened on Saturday. And then the Weidman, or Weidman is it? Chris Weidman? That was gruesome. And the same injury, you know, that happened to, to Anderson Silva. I had no idea that was eight years ago. That was kind of freakish. But that happened as well. Praise up to him. He had surgery, and I haven't heard anything about that. But... That happened on Saturday. Um, guys, tomorrow's the NFL draft. It's in Cleveland, Ohio. And I don't know, call me, you know, the old man on the porch or whatever, but I missed the days that it was on 
on the weekends, Saturday through Sunday, it was an event. I cleared my calendar. I made sure that I had nothing to do, and I watched the entire draft. I was one of those guys that would watch the draft. Maybe I would get up to go to the bathroom, go to the kitchen, whatever, that's it. But I would watch the draft. I mean, what else better do you have to do on an April weekend or May weekend, whenever it was, um, and watch the draft? You know, for two days straight, it's like Christmas for college football fans watching where, you know, these guys go. So that's going to happen. I also miss it being from Radio City Music Hall in New York City. I, I miss that as well. So that's tomorrow. And, you know, there's a lot of question marks going into the draft, more so than I can remember probably from any other NFL draft, at least recently. But I think probably the biggest one is where are these quarterbacks, other than Trevor Lawrence, where are they going to land? Because all of a sudden, nobody knows where uh, – where Fields is going, Justin Fields from Ohio State is going, he better go to my night. I swear to God, you guys are going to hear about me on the news uh, Friday or maybe late Thursday or Friday morning if John Lynch passes on Justin Fields. I just don't see that. I, I hope not, at, at least. I know. So John you're sold on Justin Fields then, Mr. Uh, 49ers? Heck yeah. Okay. Heck yeah. Even I, though he's like uh, with a lot of like expert analysts quote-unquote. Yeah. He's on the bottom of everyone's list, though, because he's, I guess, like, statistically, he always goes after his number one guy. He doesn't necessarily look around the field to his other options. My thing is this, okay? He, we all know his physical talents, can make every throw, can run, all that stuff. All right, fine, cool. I like the fact that he's a hard worker, but other than that, he has a relationship going back with uh, Kyle Shanahan, going back to when he was a senior in high school, because I forgot what quarterback camp it was. It was not the Elite 11. It was something that Kyle Shanahan runs or is a part of. And they have a relationship since back then. My buddy, who's a really good 49ers fan, James, since the fourth grade I've known James, he's the one who pointed that out to me. And so that's one thing. They have a relationship. Also, I don't think you make a trade like that if you are the Niners to get Mac Jones that would have been available probably when they pick number two. And thirdly, I'm not a fan of getting a guy that, number one, didn't play last season, only played one game so he can showcase himself All right, um, at North Dakota State uh, with Trey Lance. I'm just not a fan of guys like that that don't, they can't do it, or not, not can't do it, they haven't done it against real competition. I don't know what to expect at the next level. And look at Carson Wentz right now. Came from the same school and he's now in a new uniform, okay? Uh, had his moments with the Eagles and maybe he would have led them to that Super Bowl win, but I am, Frank, totally sold on Justin Fields. Um, has all the tools and he would be with a running game. I mean, most quarterbacks are going to do well, and that's what the 49ers, uh, you know, base their offense around is that running game. So we'll see. And they have a beefed up O line, they went ahead and invested on that again this offseason. So the draft is tomorrow. Uh, other than that, you know, where, where these quarterbacks will land, uh, there may not be a defensive player taken until like. 11 or 12 or whatever the case is because there's a lot of skill positions up front. There's some there's two old linemen that everybody's looking at. They're talking about, you know, once in a generation kind of guys, generational players and we'll see how that goes. But I won't I won't be surprised to see another trade. All right. I, I weren't the Dolphins being talked about trading or, or again? Or, yeah, I read about that yesterday again. Not that they're going to, but you know, they they're listening, man. And I like that. I like that uh, Flores is open to whatever because I think you should be open to anything that can potentially make your team better. We'll see. But um, what else? Oh, did you hear about Dan Libertard and that deal with DraftKings and all that? It was a mega, mega deal, Frank. No, uh, I didn't hear about this. So everybody knows that the relationship with Dan Libertard and ESPN ended like December or January. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the quote on the article by Greg Cody in um, yesterday's Herald was week. This is Dan Levitard. We cashed a bet that we made 
that we made on ourselves. So anybody that doesn't know, he was a free agent. Him and the Dead Levitar show was two gods. They were free agents. They were doing anything, everything on podcast version, and they were just putting it out there for everybody to see. So here comes Medialark Media and DraftKings. They formed a multi-platform partnership for that show, and uh, it's a $40 million three-year million three deal, mm. for, but Wall Street reported it as a $50 million deal. So they won. <laughs> Apparently, you leave ESPN and, you know, you have some success. Uh, he's not the first guy to do it. The other ones are um, Dan Patrick did it, Bill Simmons did it, and now Lebertard's done it. So this is – he wanted to make the listeners aware of the fact that the show's not going to change due to the money that's coming. Well, his he, thing was having freedom. He – so, all right, so I don't know how long you've been listening to Lebertard, but I've been listening to Lebertard for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And originally when he got signed – Onto ESPN, he was already working with ESPN on the side, doing right. some part in the interruption, yes. doing some highly questionable stuff or whatever. So when he got signed in the ESPN that they were going to go ahead and 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 air his show right. uh, or simulcast it, they wanted to change a lot, and exactly. he kept on telling his uh, his audience, "We're not going to change. We're not going to change. We're not going to change." But little by little, things started disappearing off the show. One of the first things that disappeared off the show was Hawkman. Yeah. Hawkman was gone. And they never said the truth on what it was going on. Hawkman kind of said that he wanted to do his own thing. It had to do with the control of how what ESPN yeah, was. For sure. So not to get too detailed in it, because I don't know all the details anyways, it kind of just started going online. And if you hear the show that you heard back in 2007 when I was listening to it, and then you go now to where we are in, 2000, in 2020, it's a completely different show. 100%. Show's completely different. And that's the same thing that happened with Dan Patrick. So I guess my, my, my ultimate point is just that, yeah, okay, we know you are ESPN. You're the juggernaut. Mm -hmm. But you still have to let the talent do what the talent does yeah. that got them there. Exactly. Just because you're ESPN doesn't mean that you're going to have control over every show. And if you do have control over every show, every show's going to sound exactly alike. Exactly. And for the most part, they all sound alike. The only one that I kind of listen to or watch still is uh, Pardon the Interruption. Okay. Because I love um, Tony Kornheiser and I love uh, Wilbon. Michael Wilbon. Okay. I love both of them. And I feel like that's the only show that they're kind of like talking from the hip. Like, they kind of feel like what they have to say. The Around the Horn show, I think that's all. I used to like. I like it, it when was, Woody Page is on. I like it because he's comical. But you can tell it's too much about I want to get the best point in because I want the points. Mm. It's, no, it's, it's not of what I truly feel. It's I what people want to hear in order yeah. for me to get the credit for the yeah. points. It's like doing TikTok videos. <laughs> like, I want your real videos. Don't give me the videos that everybody wants to see and you get a million views. Show me what you really have coming True. up. True. No, you're right. Good point. Um, his quote was, this is, I'm sorry, where is it? Where's the quote? Okay, the media landscape is changing very rapidly, and this sh shows how much power and value individuals can exert in breaking free from the corporate machine. He might as well have tagged ESPN in that quote, but that's that, ladies and gentlemen. We got Chris Felica calling in in the next segment. Don't go anywhere. I'm excited. You should be too. Um, you're listening to the Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. 
Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Stelio Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said, Mr. Worldwide, putting it down right now with the legendary, the one, the only, it's official, Slam Radio. If you think it's a game, play with it. Dolly. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Love that intro music. It, it's it's a warming feeling, and it means that football's around the corner. It, it isn't around the corner, but it is right now on the Michael McCoy Show. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for sticking around with us throughout that last break, and thank you for spending your lunch break and or early afternoon with us here, Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. I am absolutely thrilled to announce our next guest, although he really doesn't need an introduction, especially if you're like me and you make it a point to have on ESPN's College Game Day every Saturday morning, but... I'm going to introduce him anyway. Research producer and sports betting analyst for ESPN, mainly known for his uh, work and appearances on um, College Game Day, Emmy Award winning eight-time College Game Day. He's been with the show since 96, also co-hosts on the Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast, which focuses on sports from like a Las Vegas angle. And finally, um, he also appears on the daily sports betting program, Daily Wager. But last and most definitely not least, He's a graduate of, you guessed it, the U. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris, a.k.a. the Bear Felica. Chris, how you doing, man? Well, I'm going to use this time to give it a shameful, shameless plug that I'll be uh, getting on with uh, Steve <laughs> right after this, uh, right after we're done here and, and recording our uh, our podcast for this week, which will focus on the NFL draft and uh, some, uh, some some weekend horse racing stuff. So it should be fun. Awesome. Happy to be out with you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Really glad to have you on, and I've uh, been looking forward to this for a really long time, Chris, because one of the main reasons I told myself a long time ago, I said, you know what, one of these days, not if, not if, but when I have a chance to speak with Chris, I have to ask him, because I'm sure it's not just on my mind, but everybody out there listening, how did you get that nickname, The Bear? Because I'm sure that everybody's kind of curious as to how that came about. 
I'll give you the the, the, the PG version because this is obviously <laughs> okay. a, a safer. This is a family safe network program, I'm sure. <laughs> Indeed, but uh, it was actually given to me by Lee Corso. Really? Um, yeah, it, it was uh, back. I think it was bef- right before the um, Miami Ohio State uh, Fiesta Bowl. Mm. Uh, it could have been. It could have been another, the, the time after that that we were in Arizona. The, the years get, get, uh, kind of. Uh, rolled together after all these years, but Kirk and I were sitting uh, having brunch one day in a, in a hotel and restaurant. And anybody that's been out to dinner or seen Kirk and I out to eat uh-huh. uh, know that any de- any dead space on the table is like a waste of space. <laughs> if, if there's space there, it needs to be covered with food. So <laughs> we, we 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 literally they were there in like gym shorts, t- t-shirt, just kind of hanging out. And, and Lee comes walk uh, walking in the hotel lobby after. Uh, he he loved to go for morning walks. He he comes in and basically there, there's no like sneaking in for him. He's he's loud, wants to be seen, enjoys <laughs> enjoys the attention. And he comes, oh, Chris Felica, Lee, uh, Kirk Curbstreet, hey, how you doing? Comes over, and he looks at the table, and then he looks at me, and he looks at Kirk, <laughs> and he looks at the table again, and then looks at me and goes, look at you, Felica, you're just like a big bear. <laughs> All you like to do is eat, sleep, and I'll let you fill in the uh, the third yeah, one there. Yeah. Something that a, bear, that, that, a, that a bear might do. So uh, that's how it came into into existence, and uh, it, it kind of we we, we kind of didn't go with it on air uh, until I was really doing the on air stuff. But uh, behind the scenes, I was, and then once I got on air, it was. Uh, Everyone kind of known me as the bear. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. That is the PG version, and I, like he said, I'm sure you can fill in the blanks there. But that's that's typical Lee. That sounds like typical Lee yep. Corso. I could I, I saw that. I visualized that as you were explaining it on air. That's kind of funny. It, it is. It, that was one of the great things about Lee. This is obviously prior to when he had his stroke. He was so quick-witted, yes. <laughs> funny, spontaneous humor, thinking of stuff like that. But 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 yeah, he 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 he's still that way. It's just sometimes he has uh, a little trouble getting the uh, the words out uh, after his stroke. But, but he's here, and we love him, yes. and we look forward to getting him back on the road this year. Of course, of course, a mainstay on the show, big huge piece of the show would not be the same without him. And so uh, we're looking forward again to this football season with him. Uh, Chris, I want to ask you a couple more questions. You joined Game Day in '96, and you've had you know the opportunity to get acquainted with several personalities, some great people that you've worked with already at ESPN. Uh, yourself, along with Reese Davis, who everybody knows replaced Chris on the set a while ago. Mm-hmm. Herbie, Lee, David, Dez, Maria, so on and so forth. Um, you guys are extremely close to each other, and you know you bring us a heck of an on-air product. How is it like off-air? Are you guys as close, and is it like, how is that off-air? Or even like throughout the week when you guys aren't on-air, or maybe even in the off-season, how much time do you guys spend together? How's that relationship? Oh, what you see on the air is how we are interacting, whether it's on a Zoom call or a text chain or an email chain, uh, anything like that. We, we, we just It's our extended family on the road, and, and we, we kind of pick, pick each other up when we needed it and give them a, give them a hard time and, and jab and pride. We, we obviously, we all have uh, different levels of relationships with, with everybody on the show, and I – uh, I naturally have the closest relationship on the show with anybody with with Kirk, okay. and I think that stems back to Kirk and I starting on the show the same year in 1996. Okay. We were kind of the, we were kind of the two 
outsiders, I guess per se, coming into a show that that had that had uh, Chris Fowler and had Lee Corso. Uh, it had a production staff that was already familiar with itself, and and not that anybody was like giving us the cold shoulder or anything, but but Kirk and I always kind of knew that we would have each other's back uh, through it all, being that we kind of came into each other, and and, and I had the same relationship with with, with Chris as well because I had known Chris from working college basketball, but okay. but, but I think just the relationship I had with Kirk. Uh, it was one, and you talked about like seeing people uh, in the off season. I'm actually going to the Kentucky Derby with Kirk after we wow. go throughout that Friday. So yeah, yeah, Kirk and I have taking trips with Chris Fowler as well. So uh, yeah, we we have a, we have a pretty good relationship uh, off the uh, off off the set as well. That's awesome. Yeah, tight knit bunch, and it shows on air just like you said, and you know chemistry, like they say in sports, it's necessary on the court or field as it is you know off the court, and you guys obviously have that. So keep it up because we we definitely appreciate that. Um, moving on, there's something else I wanted to ask you. So, I mean, in life, everybody, you know, has different dreams and aspirations. And I think at one point I wanted to be a dentist, a doctor, uh, not an attorney, but a cop or, you know, (laughs) different things. And so, um, with being a research producer at ESPN and betting analyst on game day, was that always the goal, like the end goal for you? Or can you tell us, you know, how that journey came about for you? Well, I I always knew I wanted to be involved in sports. I mean, I was the I was a kid sitting on a couch during the summer, uh, keeping uh, a box score of a random Yankees game in wow. like June uh, on a Wednesday night. Like I, I always knew I wanted to be involved in sports. Other than this like brief infatuation I had with like I, I like enjoyed travel and I was, it was travel's always been a big part of my life. And like I would like go to the, the travel agency and like get brochures. I was like, oh, I, I want to be a travel agent one day. But I'm I'm glad I opted to go with a little different <laughs> career path uh, than, than that. But yeah, I always knew I wanted to work in sports. Everything I kind of did along the way, whether it was. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have a high school that had a high school television show, Sweet. Uh, student newspaper, and and that kind of set me up to to be able to build a resume to work in Miami sports information as a student assistant, uh, which I got to meet a, a lot. Of you mentioned the people I work with now, but I got to meet a ton of people uh, at Miami just by working uh, when visiting radio and TV stations right. were coming to town for to cover games. I, I get to like work statistics. So uh, that actually is the reason why I, I got uh, in the door at ESPN. I got uh, work one night for a Knicks game. Wow. Uh, Knicks Heat. Uh, Mike Breen, who was at WFAN at the time, uh, got me set up with an internship uh, during the summer. I'm from Long Island, so it was nice and easy. And uh, my boss from WFAN wound up working on up to ESPN Radio. When they were first starting out, I heard I was looking for a job. And man, that's that's basically all how it started. So it, it it really is though like one of those like pinch me type moments because wow, yeah. uh, a couple a couple of years ago it, it like actually hit me like the first time they, 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 there was a year where uh, I was working the final four with Dick Vitale and Sean McDonough and then I got on a plane with Sean to go to the Masters and work the Masters and, and I'm like if you can like go back and tell like 14 15 year old me that in like 25 30 years you'd be working in the final four sitting next to dick vitale having yeah. a relationship <laughs> with him and then going with sean mcdonough was a great baseball announcer at the time and football announcer oh, and going to work the masters like, like really is is this true so <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that one of the rare moments where it kind of all came into perspective for me like well you're really fortunate to be doing what you're doing that's sweet, man, and it's not—it's not a job at that point. I mean, it's—it's it's not work. It's—it's—I it's, it's, don't know what to call it, what adjective to use, but it's great. That's you know, short, simple, and to the point. It's great, and they always told us. My professors always said, going back to what you were saying about you know having relationships, it's always about who you know, especially in this industry. So that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Um, 
By the way, you're listening to the Mike McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. On the phone with us is Chris Felica, and if you don't know who he is, shame on you, you should. Uh, just turn on your TVs on Saturday morning ESPN, and then you'll see him on there. Um, I wanted to talk about, okay, the actual show, and well, not the actual show, but Bears Banks, so yes, the actual show. Uh, game, game Day's grown so much, you know, from the time that I was watching as a kid in middle school to now. I mean, it's crazy. Theme songs have changed, people on the set, and different things you guys do. And um, it's really like a cultural phenomenon at this point. Can you talk about the evolution of the, show, of the show, like on set and how much has changed, or maybe talk about how you guys came come up with different ideas to, to do segments, and even Bears Bank, because that was something that is now a huge part of the show that wasn't always a part of the program. Yeah, it, it literally came into existence because the show expanded from uh, from two hours to three hours, wow, okay. and we were looking to fill some more content time, and and uh, Lee Fitting, who is who runs football now with ESPN, the longtime game day producer, and and Kirk Herbstreit had always been kind of like wanting to nudge me along to do things on air and get me fired up and wound up on air and give uh, betting type information because they they knew my passion, they knew my knowledge uh, of, of the gambling terminology, and I would always be very vocal and animated about certain topics and issues and conversations and meetings. Okay. For the show, and they wanted to try and figure out a way to kind of capture that and get that on air. And I was always hesitant to doing it because I didn't want to be the the loud New York kid waving <laughs> his arms around, look, looking like a fool. And finally, the year we went to three hours, like you've got no choice. We need we 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 we're doing it. We're going to do it great. It'll be fun. It'll be it, it'll be entertaining. It'll be informative, and uh, and it has. But but it really is amazing to think back to 1996 when when Kirk and I first started on the show. How the show was an hour. We weren't on the road every year. We were on like at 10 a.m. to yeah. 11 a.m. Yeah. We weren't like even leading right into the the, the, the noon kickoff. Right. And, uh, it, it just it, to see the evolution of the show from one hour to two hours to three hours to, to kind of the, the traveling circus, for lack of a better description, uh, that it is now, and to have the the, the fans behind the behind the show, yes. just the the, pa- the the passion that they have and the excitement. And just the, the appreciation that, that we have for them, it really has been amazing to see just how much the show has grown, uh, both in stature and popularity and, and just mm-hmm. uh, in culture itself. Yeah, yeah. Again, a cultural phenomenon, and the fans are a huge part of the show. The game day signs, Lee's headgear. I mean, you name it. Um, you know, it's online. Maria Taylor, you guys have the guests uh, with the, doing the picks every week. It's mm-hmm. awesome, and again, a part of my Saturday morning. It's like sacrilegious to not have the TV in the living room on ESPN on the, uh, on Saturday mornings. But Bear, you're a proud University of Miami grad, and uh, you've also obviously taken several games in at the old Orange Bowl. May she rest in peace, right down the street from oh. here. <laughs> oh, you had to go there. <laughs> I got to. I got to. I got to talk about that. Uh, but you've also traveled to some epic games at the most storied venues, you know, across the nation. If possible, can you give me maybe three or five or just whatever comes up to your mind of your favorite campuses that you've visited on game day? Why there's why they're in your top three or five? For example, I know, or, or maybe even talk about tailgates because I know Ole, Ole Miss is known for their barbecues and they call that experience in their Grove, you know, amazing. Yeah, that that, that scene we had for our first show at Ole Miss in the Grove was uh, one of the best scenes that we've had for a show uh, since I've been traveling. Unfortunately, we didn't get it. A ton of opportunity to to stay and hang out and be there for that game and explore a whole a whole bunch, but but uh, the, the the backdrop for that show and yeah. it, it definitely it was one of those things where 
you, you have this vision of what the show could be, and we wanted to go to Ole Miss for a long time because we hadn't been there, and you kind of build it up, and it's not what you think it's going to be. It met all expectations, wow. which is great. And, and the Washington State show was the same way. This little grassroots campaign that that been wanting to get us to Pullman for since like 2003, I think is when uh, that Washington State flag first started showing up behind yeah. the <laughs> And they've been trying to get us to Pullman for, for 15 years and to finally get there. And just the, our, our producers did a really good job, and directors did a really good job of finding a, finding a spot. And again, you're worried about, okay, it's going to be six in the morning and <clears throat> excuse me, in Pullman, in Pullman, Washington, are, are they are they really going to show up and give the show? Oh yeah! Like I and oh, they did. It was, <laughs> it was unbelievable. And then the and then the first time we went to Fargo uh, to wow. to go see the Bison, okay. uh, the way the the way the community uh, closed down the, the street wow. on a in, in, right downtown downtown. Yeah. It wasn't not a huge downtown, but in, in Fargo, the main drag there, and just to see. Both sides of the set, people lining it in there, in their green and gold. That was a uh, one of my more memorable uh, favorite shows as well. But yeah, they're, they're still in my, in my heart. No, nothing like seeing a game at the Orange Bowl. It was yeah. uh, one of one of those games where they didn't lose a game in, in that building when I was at Miami, and certainly saw some great games there. Uh, obviously, and then I think the last uh, the last game I think I went to with the Orange Bowl for a. Uh, for a show was it was like, I think it had I think it played Texas A and M one Thursday night. Oh yeah, uh, that on an ESPN game, and that was a that was that was the last game I believe I wow. actually got uh, to the Orange Bowl to uh, see in person. So uh, okay, okay. saw a lot of games, and, and unfortunately it's uh, unfortunately it's gone. But hopefully we can uh, get some atmosphere and, and continue uh, growing and, and building the team back up and yes, uh, make uh, make make Hard Rock a. Uh, a home field advantage close to what we once had in the uh, the greatest home field advantage in the history of college football, the Orange Bowl. Absolutely. No, 100%. I know you got to go, but I got two more questions for you because I got to get my canes in, our canes in. So uh, speaking <clears throat> of awesome game day venues, you guys were obviously here in 2017. It was the first time you guys were in Miami, not on campus, but the first time you guys were in Miami since like the early 2000s when you came down for a Labor Day, day, Labor day game versus FSU at the Orange Bowl. But in 2017, before the Notre Dame beatdown, that was the first time on campus. And so I'm arriving to campus because you know I went there to, to the game day experience. I'm arriving at about 4.30 in the morning. I'm thinking I'm early. And boy, was <laughs> I wrong. There was a huge line just stretching across every corner of the campus just to get on there. And the patio in which the event took place, I'm thinking it's too small to have this event here. But then I saw an overhead shot of it, and it was so it was packed, but there was still enough room to fit a couple more hundred people on there. Talk about the experience because Kirk calls that uh, that Miami uh, game day experience the best in 2017. Oh, it was. It definitely wasn't. I remember when uh, they were asking me, "Where do you have it?" I'm like, "You can't do it at the stadium," and they were looking for a spot. And and when our director came back, oh yeah, we're going to have it by. I'm like the university center. That's going to be big enough to, <laughs> to to do it, and I didn't believe it. And but uh, it looked so cool. Yeah, I could you had that, that whole area filled out. You had people uh, along the sides mm-hmm. uh, there in, in, at the UC. People behind. It, it was it was an awesome experience, and uh, I certainly know that the the people involved uh, in the Miami program. I mean, you couldn't have a better three hour infomercial for the University of Miami, yes. uh, the campus itself. And the, and the entire experience and just the beauty of that 
that area. Like, like that, that's, that picture should be mm-hmm. in every recruiting manual. Yeah. Every, everything. <laughs> that, 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 that should be, that, he, he, you want to come? Okay, here it is. This, this is why go. you come. But that was a, uh, that was a, a, a great show and it felt great to, uh, it, it was a little weird for me just to see how, how much the campus had uh, changed oh my God, in, yes. in, in, in certain areas since I was there in the, uh, in the early nineties, obviously we saw some things that, that are still always going to be there, but uh, right. it, it was worth to get there. And then that night was, uh, it was awesome. It was just, it was one of those great, perfect days where uh, it was a great experience for the, for the school and, and the students and, and us in the morning and then building up to, and then the yeah. game actually oh, was the, the what really matters. It was the cherry on top and to, to, to blow out Notre Dame. Like, like they did that night made it a, a really, really good day no, for, uh, for Miami football. It was like the cherry on top. And before we go, last question, because we got to talk about, I mean, 129 days from now, who's counting? Miami's going to Atlanta to face the defending champs, the Alabama Crimson title by Nick Saban. So, I mean, everybody's talking about, oh, well, this is the, probably the best time to play Alabama. They've lost a lot of people, but we also know how they recruit, much like Miami did back in the day. They don't rebuild, they reload. So, if Bear, if it's possible, I'm not much – a, a, much of a betting guy, so correct me if there's no way this can happen. But can you give you know the Kane fans out there listening, uh, maybe like an early prediction of what to expect in terms of a betting line? I, I would expect Alabama to probably be somewhere around a 17 or an 18 point favorite. Would would, would be my guess. Okay. Um, and and that could change, but but I think obviously. Uh, Miami has a, a a lot coming back this year on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, hopefully, Derek King will be healthy and ready to go right. uh, by then. Uh, we, we'll see. Defensively, they're going to have to uh, replace a lot of holes up front on the defensive line. They're going to have three guys uh, drafted this weekend in the uh-huh. NFL draft, so that'll be a problem. But um, yeah, we, you, you talk about that adage, and oh, it's good to get Alabama early. But at the same time, did you watch that spring game the other day? Yeah. They, they, they still have. I mean, <laughs> have a ton of guys and uh, maybe it's true. Maybe it is the best time to get them, but uh, we, we've seen Alabama come out of the gate mm-hmm. uh, in, in recent years with oh, some yeah. very, very strong performances. So, but, 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 but you know what? That's one of those games though, that if, if you play it and it kind of gives you a barometer right yes. off the bat, I mean, win or lose, or in this case, likely lose. I mean, Manny Diaz and the staff can, can, can take the guys back to the locker room and say, Hey, that that's the best team you're going to play yep. all, year, all long, year long, and you and you accomplish X, Y, and Z. There's no reason why you can't beat everybody else on your schedule the rest of the way, and and and, and get to the ACC championship game and get a shot at, at a team who is just as good as that, yep. if not better, in, in Clemson, and put yourself in a position to win a conference championship. So uh, well, there are a lot of people that say, why play the game? But at the same time, I, I say, why not play the exactly. game? It's really a, I mean, it's a, it's a no-risk proposition. Everyone expects you to lose. And if you happen to play really, really well, you're going to generate a ton of positive buzz and publicity for the team. You took the words right out of my mouth. And, I mean, you're preaching to the choir. Like I said, and plus, Miami's never been one to really turn down a game like that. And so we'll see what happens. I'm sure the players are jacked about it. Obviously, the coaches are. Recruits are going to be tuned in. And it's going to be Labor Day weekend, primetime TV. Everybody, you know, all eyes on us. Last time Miami had, you know, that opening uh, big time mm. weekend was. Mm. Over, Do we yeah. have to remember that? Yeah, mm. I, I won't go there. I won't go there. Mm. <laughs> I was there, but I won't go there. But. Yeah, man. So um, we're looking forward to it again. Just 129 days away. Here we are, sitting here, end of April. But uh, Chris, Mr. Felica, 
thank you so much. I know you got to go. I really appreciate the time that you took to contribute to the show. Of course, my pleasure, and we'll, uh, we'll talk again soon. Awesome. I appreciate that. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Chris Felica of ESPN's College Game Day, and uh, we'll be right back after, the, after this break, and you're listening to the Michael McCourt Show on Sirius XM Channel 145, Slap Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. And now we're back with The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Who y'all talking to, man? Oh, man, my day's better than yours. If you're having a good day, I'm having a great day. If you're having a great day, I'm having a better day. Just got off the phone with Chris Felic in the last segment. If you missed it, don't worry. It'll re-air later on. We'll tweet it. It'll be on our podcasts. But, man, that was great. Thank you very much again, Chris Felica. Calling in last, seg- calling in last segment. Frank sees me through the window. He says, hey, te veo animado. For those of you that don't speak Spanish, He's, he can tell I'm kind of happy, kind of animated. That was great. Great having him on the, on the show. And um, we were just talking about a few things, and I just kind of wanted to recap those. Uh, he talked about his experience down here when game day came down in 2017 when Miami scrimmaged uh, Notre Dame later on that day and beat, down, beat, them, beat them down, what, like 40-something to six, whatever the score was. Like I said, it was, it was a nice little scrimmage there that they had. And that was what Kirk Herbstreit calls the best college game day experience, at least that season. But for those of you that don't remember, I don't know how you can't, the scene was just incredible. I don't know how many people out there have visited the actual – Coral Gables campus of the University of Miami, but where the event was on the patio next to the UC, what they call the University Center, it was, it, it doesn't look like a particularly large area when you're there in person, but it com- was definitely big enough because when I ended up seeing like an overhead shot, I guess there was a drone out there or something, everybody was towards the front, trying to be at the stage, as close to the stage as possible, and it was a packed house. But then you look behind it, and I promise you, probably double the amount of people that showed up could have fit there. And it was, it was just crazy. A, I remember A-Rod walking by me with Maria Taylor because he was a guest picker that day, and um, he obviously picked correctly. But one of the things that stands out the most to me from that day from when uh, A-Rod was picking on set is that uh, you know, he had on the turnover chain. That was year one of the turnover chain, the original, you know, the U on there. And he had it on backwards. From left to right, the U goes orange to green. He had it flipped backwards. And I was dying for somebody to come on set and tell him to change it because, come on, man, you're repping the U the wrong way. He had it from left to right, green to orange. And that just, that bugs me just thinking about it. But we so talked. Mike, 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 what bothers you more? The person that puts the green and then the orange, or the person that goes to throw up 305 and throws up 503? Oh, my God. Because your boy Masvidal. No. He did it this weekend, no. and he does it every single time. You know who Victor no. Bermudez is? Yes. All right, go look on his Instagram. Uh-huh. Sure you know who he is. Right. Go find the last picture he put up of Masvidal, which was a couple months ago, and he throws up the 503. And I told him, I go, oh, yeah. He goes, every time. Every time. <laughs> so when I was watching the fight this weekend... I wanted to record it, but like I was doing a hundred things, and so I was like waiting for them to do it. And as soon as he comes up and he does, I can't he even do did it. Did right. it wrong? Uh, yeah. Okay. That's oh what I did my it. He goes like god! This. He goes like this. No. He claims that five hundred three, baby. <laughs> now I got to look up what area code that is. Let me see. What the heck is? I don't even know what it is. Area code. We're gonna find out right now. Five hundred three. Area code is 
residing in, hello, come on, in Portland. Portland. Portland, Throwing Oregon. Throw out that Portland oh, 503, baby. God. Also, the 971 area code. Jesus Christ, game bread. We got to get it together. Somebody tell him, at him, tag him on Twitter. He's got it all wrong. But to answer your question, Frank, it's definitely when people either do the you the wrong way and they do one of these ugly things or they do it like that or the, the orange on the, on the wrong side of the you. What the hell is this? Come on now. But um, we were talking about that, his experiences in other venues, uh, being on the set of game day, the relationship with the guys. And what we see on air, ladies and gentlemen, is what we get. They're a, they're a tight-knit crew, and that's awesome to hear because I hope things never change. Well, here I am saying here I hope things never change when it comes to that show, but it keeps changing, and it keeps getting better and better and better. You heard him say it used to be a one-hour show, which I remember. They weren't always on the road. I remember them being in the studio. Uh, Chris Fowler was the host, and he moves on and gets replaced by Reese Davis. But now it's a three-hour show. And it's long enough to have his segment on there, you know, Bears Bank, where he's talking about betting and all that stuff. Found out that he's big into horse racing, which I knew going into the show, uh, doing my research on him, but I wasn't, I, I didn't know that about him before that. But again, uh, catch Chris, other than being on game day, because if you're into betting, he's someone that you maybe want to follow on Twitter. But he does the uh, daily sports betting program called Daily Wager. And he also does... Uh, he co-hosts the Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast, which focuses on sports from a Las Vegas angle. So probably some betting going on there. We talked about that and um, just pretty much anything. Oh, we talked about the Bama game. And which for those of you that may have missed it, it was at the very end of the segment. He I asked him, which is probably impossible because I really don't even know much about betting. So I don't know how realistic this is. But I asked him, can you give me like an early betting line? And he said he kind of expects, uh, you know, that line to come out at first. It may change. Everybody knows. But maybe 17, 18 points. Can you imagine if Miami goes up and competes hard and they end up losing to Bama by two touchdowns? I'm sorry, but I am not into moral victories. I'll be into that one. you damn right I'll be into that one because just like he said, you lose that game by a Fair margin, say, you know, 10, maybe not 10, but 14 points, 17, who knows? Okay, in my heart of hearts, I always feel Miami can win that. And they can win that game. And that's why they play the games, because you can win. You don't know what the heck's going to happen. But um, going back to my first point, if they come away looking like that on national TV versus the defending champs, and that is going to be the best team you play all year in the regular season. We don't know what's going to happen, you know, if they hit up, if they hit up Charlotte or not as uh, ACC Coastal champs or if, who they play in a bowl game. But, you know, regular season-wise, you look good in that game, you should be able to beat, you know, the rest of their schedule. I know that we came away feeling the same way in 2019, year one of Manny Diaz. Miami definitely gave one away against those Gators up north, okay? You know, a muffed punt, all of that stuff. And Miami came out of that. I came out of that game pissed, okay, because we should have won. But um, definitely feeling like, okay, we're probably not going to lose a game for the rest of that season. And look what happens. FIU but, happens. But I feel like we're always underprepared on the first game of the season. Right. Especially like with uh, what happened a couple years ago with the whole Gator game, the way you were talking about in the Citrus Bowl, whatever it was. It seemed like we had the better team, and we couldn't move the ball at all. No, no. Well, I and mean, the game ended awful. I mean, I, yeah, it was, oh not trying to bring up old stuff, but. No, it's, <laughs> it's okay. Um, I'm a masochist. I tend to do this to myself every now and then. But, yeah, that old line was, was very, very young. You had Zion Nelson, a true 
freshman left tackle who came in at 240 pounds. He probably beefed it up to 280 for that game. Was going up against, you know, one of the it was Zuniga, one of the better rush ends in college football at that point for the Gators. You know, they got eight up. I think they allowed something like eight sacks, maybe nine sacks. All of a sudden, Zion Nelson is talking about, not talking about, but being talked about a first-round pick in next April's draft, 2022. Crazy how the tables turn, right? So we'll see. Uh, like Chris said, there's a lot of talent coming back, so on and so forth. So we talked about that. And um, I don't know, man. I'm excited. Hey, uh, but to be fair with Manny, like what I was talking about, that Gator game, that was the first game Manny ever coached. Yeah, yeah. Coach. yeah. But Manny, uh, we don't know what happened with the turn because last year's season was a lot different. So we don't know how much discipline he actually put on the team. The 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 the, the player athletes had to kind of be more on a straight line. Remember, everything was COVID-related, and they wanted to make sure that they were able to play. So uh, all the distractions that are usually there on a normal season mm. weren't there. Right. We all remember the way that they were dancing on the sideline and oh. stuff like that when they're playing over here at Marlins Park. Like, that guy had no control over his team whatsoever. I don't know how much that changed, and I don't know if it changed much. This is me trying to be now Debbie mm -hmm. Downer mm -hmm. about it. Okay. I oh. hate... Royal Hurricanes, we're number, we're back! We're 2-0, and oh, we're back! I can't stand that yeah, guy. No. All right, so... That guy's been a fan for, like, five years. How much did Manny actually gain control of his team? And I'm hoping we're finally going to be able to see it this year because since there were no distractions like there were usually, mm -hmm. how much discipline was he able to ever put on the team? Because we saw many bonehead penalties by Jalen Phillips. Yeah. A lot. They were like, bro, you're the best player on the team. People are expecting you to go in the first round of the draft. And you're going to be committing boneheaded, um, um, stupid decisions like that. And they were all on penalties, grabbing face masks, grabbing the face mask, yanking the helmet off. Like, what are you doing, bro? So I go back to Manny on that. How much discipline and how much control do you have on your team? Because we saw it right. two years ago when everything was open. We're seeing, distra not distractions, but lack of discipline when there are no distractions. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen this year? I tweeted a couple of days ago that if... The 2021 Miami Hurricanes uh, have the type of season that sparks a run for Miami. And by run, I mean like win 38 straight, kind of like Dorsey did. Okay, he only lost two games in his career, the very first start and his very last start. If they spark some type of run, you know, like that, it's going to be because of this offseason. And I'm going back to what you were saying, Frank. There was a huge culture problem, huge culture problem and I'm going to go ahead and name drop because everybody that knows anything about Kane's football knows you know Jeff Thomas was a was a problem there was problems with you know Jaron Williams just the leadership was not there accountability was not there and there were some coaches that you know were not getting along with players okay or vice versa whatever the case is um, there was a huge cancer what Manny likes to refer to as in the locker room some guys transferred. Lorenzo Lingard was one of those guys that transferred. Jaron Williams transferred. Jeff Thomas gets drafted. New coaches come in. That was last offseason. This off, and we saw a little bit, you know, of the that was the biggest question heading into last year. But going back to your point, I'm hoping that the, you know, all the hires that they made on the staff is the beginning of accountability. Coaching changes, coaching culture changes, culture changes, period, throughout the locker room. Bill Belichick could not have won with the problems that was in that locker room in 2019. Because if guys aren't buying in, it doesn't matter. It does not matter how – that's why That's why Alabama's so good. Yes, they have five-star players. You want to go ahead and talk back to Nick Saban? You want to go ahead and be a minute late for a meeting? I dare you. I dare you because there's another guy behind you that will play over you if you try some crap like that. So, 
long story short, Frank, to talk, you know, to kind of respond to what you said, I hope and I think and I really do think positively about, you know, the new coaches here. I think that is more onto the coaching, not coaching, the culture change that we kind of started to see maybe last year because a lot of the stupid stuff was still there, but a lot of it was gone. If Miami starts winning this year, it's because of this offseason. That's how I feel. That's how I feel about it. But um, we'll see, man. Again, 129 days, but who's counting till Miami takes the field in the, what is it, the Mercedes-Benz Dome? Or Mercedes uh, Benz? Stadium. Stadium, okay. Yeah. In Atlanta, Georgia versus the defending national champion, Alabama Crimson Tide. Woo! Man, that's going to be a good game. There's a lot of Florida guys on that team, as you know, but um, we are going to take a really short break, all right, because – my buddy, Kason Davis, this guy knows his stuff when it comes to hoops, man. I really hope you guys are uh, staying on board for that segment. And give him a follow on Twitter. We'll come back with that information on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on SiriusXM Channel 145. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is SiriusXM 145 Slam Radio. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Hey, we are back now on the Michael McCoy Show, Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. And going to talk some hoops right now. We're going to wait for Kason Davis to call in. That's somebody that's been on the show before. He is... A brain. He's a. I really trust his basketball uh, input because he's always one of those one of those guys that kind of say things and it just makes you say, "Hmm, okay." And he's not too far left, not too far right. Pretty on point with his with his take. So he's going to be calling in in a second. Um, we got a lot to talk about when it comes to the NBA stuff because there's a lot going on. The playoffs start in three weeks, so there's a lot of jockeying and jostling for positioning in terms of seating and. Um, Let's talk about the Eastern Conference first because somebody just clinched a playoff berth, and um, that would be the Brooklyn Nets. They are at the top of the Eastern Conference rankings, 42-20. and 20. They clinched, I believe it was yesterday. Uh, they're 6-4 in the last 10. Philly at 2, Milwaukee at 3, the Knicks at 4. We're going to talk about that with Kaysan. Um, Atlanta 5, Boston 6, Miami 7, Charlotte 8. The Pacers 9 and, you know, the Wizards 10. Why am I saying 10 playoff spots? Remember, we got a little this whole little play-in thing that's going on. My Bulls are a game behind, all right, that 10 spot in the play-in. They're 26 and 35. And um, thanks, Frank, for letting me know that Kaysan's not on the air with us. Kaysan, buddy, we're going to talk about a lot, but I want to ask you first, how you been? How's everything going? I'm good. I'm good. My apologies. Uh, class ran a little late. Don't worry about that, man. Next time you tell them, hey, look, I got somewhere to be that's – uh, all right, you know, just tune on the radio. No, I'm just playing, man. Thanks for your time. I appreciate you calling in. And so, um, everybody, if you aren't, if you don't remember the last time Kaysen called in was around, maybe right before the NBA All Star break. But let me just give you a little reminder because Kaysen, where is the information that I had here? Oh my God, where is it? Here it is. Kaysen, follow him please at K Capital on Twitter, capital K, and then Davis. Uh, 75 underscore on Twitter. He's with uh, the Rundown Show podcast with his boy Rich, and uh, they have good stuff there. The What is it called? The, it's the rundownshow.com, correct? Yeah. Rundownshow.com. Check that. Always good material there. But, Kaysan, man, I want to I wanna ask you, what is kind of your 
mood right now. I want to talk about the Knicks first because, like I said, there's a lot to get into. But what, I know you're a Knicks fan and, you know, you're from there. But wow, nine in a row? Nine in a row? Listen, I love when the Knicks are good because that means that the NBA is better. It's one of those teams like the Lakers and the Bulls that, you know, you kind of want everybody to be good at the same time. But nine in a row, nine and one in their last ten. They lost their last contest. What is going on with Thibodeau's team? Uh, it's a good thing. It's obviously, you know, with Tibbs, you're going to expect his players to play hard and uh, mm-hmm. play defense. You should know with him uh, from his time with the Bulls. Mm-hmm. So I think he's kind of he's building that foundation with the Knicks. Obviously, over the last couple of years, the Knicks really didn't have that culture there. So I think he came in and he, he's putting that culture there to show them that they have to work hard. You see how Julius Randle and uh, oh, R.J. Barrett are playing. So I think that's just kind of it. He's getting those guys to come in, buy into what he's what he's doing, play defense and things like that. Obviously, at the beginning of the year, it's going to take some time for right. him to, to make that change. But I think now you see people are believing in him and people are seeing that, okay, what he's saying works. And they're, they're following the system. And I think that, that's been leading to their win. I've just, like you said, and it's, it's refreshing to see because nowadays there aren't teams that play like a Thibodeau coach team in the NBA. Hard nose defense. The points will come, okay? You're in the NBA. You, you're going to be able to score points, especially when everybody else isn't playing the defense that you are. The Knicks have the best or one of the best uh, defenses in the league, depending on who you talk to. But um, it's refreshing to see them play. Like I said, they play hard. They're in every game at the end. And in very, very close games at the end, they have somebody by the name of Julius Randle who made an all-star game, who had 40 points the last time I saw him play. I think it was against uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. I love comparing him and Zion Williamson. I think that they remind me, at least me, they remind me of each other a lot, okay? And even at the end of the game, Zion has the ball in his hands, but that's a guy that's an all-star. Is he your most improved player this year? Yeah, I think definitely. I don't think anyone else has kind of made the improvements that uh, he has. Obviously, there might be other couple people in the running, but I think he's at the top of the list, especially for him the year. Last year, Knicks fans didn't even trust him or want him with the ball, and now he goes from that to being an all-star right. and kind of the best player and about to lead them, to lead them to the playoffs. So I think he definitely should be number one for most improved right now. I got Anthony Simons in that conversation. I would give the award to, to – uh, oh, my God. We just, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. I would give the award to uh, Julius. Thank you. But after, speaking of Anthony Simons, he had nine of 10 three pointers connect that he connected on last night. Uh, I want to talk about the Blazers a little bit, uh, just kind of off the whim here, because that's a team where I think you got to pay, pay attention to. Because if they get that, it's always been between Dame and, 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 and CJ McCollum, right? So uh, they get that third guy who just so happens to be like that athlete because that's something that they never really had. You think about the, going back to the days of like Brandon Roy, um, you know, guys like that, and they never really had that dynamic athlete. We all saw what he did in the dunk contest, but Anthony Simons, if he – I don't think they're going to – they probably not even make it to the Western Conference Finals. Who knows? There's a lot going on over there, especially with uh, um, Murray being out with a torn ACL with Denver. But talk about Portland and how you think their prospects look out in the West because that's a team that I'm not looking forward to playing first in the first round or second round or whatever. Yeah, definitely. I think they have the firepower. You think about it, you just brought up those three guards, and you still have Melo, you still have uh, um, Rico, I can't remember, uh, Covington. Yes, yes. You got Covington over there, too. So they they have the firepower, definitely, to compete with anybody in the West. I think with them, it's probably going to just come down to their defense. And I'm kind of really locking in. And also mm-hmm. injuries because 
CJ McCullough was out a little bit to start the year. Yeah. Dame was kind of hot. He's, he kind of cooled off a little bit. But they, for for me, I, like you said, I wouldn't want to see them in a first-round series or anything just because of their firepower. Melo can come give you 20, and then Covington can play the five, and they can stretch it out kind of yeah. like they're doing with the Rockets. So they can play it different type of ways and they have the firepower so i think a lot of teams wouldn't want to see them and then dame when it's time you know oh, game time man. at the end of the game but he can close any game so they have the firepower to keep them in the game and then they have the player to close it if they need it as it stands right now they're in the seventh spot they would go up against the suns who are 43 and 18 who the heck saw that coming the suns at 43 and 18 a game behind the western conference leading or yeah, Western Conference, well, NBA leading uh, Utah Jazz with the best record in the NBA, 44-17. and 17. I don't think anybody saw that. As a matter of fact, I'm the one that came out and said, with the addition of Chris Paul, yeah, I think that they'll go ahead and make the playoffs, but I don't think it's going to be anything like a top-four team. And, and look what Chris Paul has done with those young guys. It's exactly what uh, Devin Booker needed. He needed a guy to that will get him in the right spots, another guy that was a threat, so he can run around, get open, and not all eyes were focused on him. The Suns are, are balling, and I know this is a very unpopular take, but I love those. Um, I was calling Steph Curry playing like an MVP weeks ago, okay, way before he went off going crazy for 10, you know, in that 10-game tear that he had that just now ended a couple games ago. But I called it the beginning of the season. I was saying, you know what, because Clay isn't there. This is what's supposed to happen last year because we all know Clay, you know, didn't have, you know, he was out because of the Achilles, and I'm thinking Steph's going to blow up. But then – um, you know, his wrist injury happened, so we never saw it. But it's it's happening now. But tell me if you think I'm crazy. Uh, Steph is my number one for the MVP, and it's been that way. But he probably won't win it because they're barely in the playoffs. And um, I like Chris Paul as my second, oh, my second guy at MVP. A lot of people look at me crazy, but the Suns aren't second in the West without him. Yeah, definitely. I, I might put him number one right now. Wow. Like you said, with, with, with Steph – Obviously, he's there, but like you said, they don't have the wins, so they might get in as like a nine seed or right. they're going to be in the play-in. So I think that's going to hurt him when you kind of think about past MVPs and the voting. Right. Joel Embiid hasn't missed a lot of time. Mm -hmm. uh, Joker and the Nuggets are kind of falling without Jamal Murray. So I think if, to me, if the Suns can get that one seed from the Jazz and end up with the best, being the best team probably in the league, because whoever's in the West going to have the, probably the best record in right. the league. I think Chris Paul has to be up there for MVP. I mean, and it's not like he's never been an MVP type player before. If you think about, some people think he should have won in 08 when Kobe got it. So mm -hmm. he, he, he's played at that level before. So I think if they can get that one seed, then I think Chris Paul should definitely be up there maybe as number one. Absolutely. And it's, it's a shame because, I mean, I mean, I was hearing some guys talk about it and they were saying that the only reason they were probably talking about Steph is because, you know, AD's hurt. LeBron's hurt. James Harden's hurt, who many had as the leading MVP guy at the time of his injury. I never, like I said, I never saw it that way because I saw this coming. And I I don't want to say I was the only guy, okay, but I really didn't hear people talk about it. To me, it was kind of easy to figure out, Clay's going to be out this year? Oh, Steph's going to blow up, okay? I think he was coming in with a chip on his shoulder, pissed off, because I'm one of those guys that don't think that Warriors dynasty is over, okay? Wait till they get you know, uh, free agents, which will probably be hopefully, you know, next summer or this summer. And, uh, you know, Clay's back and healthy. I think that the best shooting backcourt that we've ever seen is going to come back, you know, kicking ass and taking names. That's how I feel about it, but we'll see. Um, how do you feel about the Clippers picking up Boogie? I think that's a big deal and nobody's really talking about it. 
Yeah, that and them getting Rondo at the trade deadline, yes. I think, are two big pieces for them. So, if obviously with Boogie now, can he stay healthy? If he's if he can stay healthy, then he everyone knows he's a twenty and ten guy. But yeah. in the last couple of years, he just can't stay healthy. But in the in the role he'll play with the Clippers, they don't need him to play too much minutes. They just need him yep. to come in, be a big body, stretch the floor, and. If he does end up getting hurt, he can take his time coming back and mm-hmm. things like that. So I think it's kind of the perfect situation for him. And he doesn't have to be the number one or two option to worry about carrying the load of the offense. And he's had some time in the last couple of stops, like with the Rockets, Lakers, to kind of adjust to his role. You kind of see when Melo first yes. got back in the league, he had to adjust from being that top scorer to fitting into a certain coming-off-the-bench type of mm-hmm. role. So I think now he, he has that under his belt, and he kind of – maybe figured out how he can get it, get in where he fits in in that type of role. So I think that and then Rondo setting people up and running that offense because everything with the Clippers is like they need a point guard, they need right. a point guard. So I think those two things together are huge for the Clippers. It was it was absolutely hilarious to me, and obviously I didn't know this was going to happen, but the show that I had before the trade deadline, I was talking about how funny and pretty much how messed up it is, kind of like how life works that during the uh during the CP3 era in 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 LA for the Clippers you know you had Lob City you had you know uh DeAndre and 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 Blake Griffin and you know they were catching lobs all that all that stuff and the one thing that they needed was that dynamic wing player you know a Paul George or Kawhi Leonard they had the point guard all of a sudden they have those guys, and they don't have the point guard, and then they, they end up getting Rondo, which was the perfect fit. You know, I love Pat Beverly, but he can't set up an offense like Rondo can. And so um, tell me why people like to call Boogie Cousins done just because of injury. You look at his numbers right now. The guy's averaging nine points on the button in 18 minutes, 34% from beyond the arc. And, you know, you, you up those minutes just a little bit, and he's a double-double guy off the bench. I don't get it. And like you said, he's not going to be used as much. A guy that you still have to respect hitting the three. He's decent at the line, 71.1%. He clearly isn't himself after, you know, a big man having those injuries. But he by no means is done. How do you feel about that? I, I think it's two things. I think the first thing is obviously the injuries. When players start to get injured like that, people kind of – look at them as maybe they're done, especially with the Achilles injury and kind of his weight and his size, the, the I guess statistics and stuff show that people like, it's kind of hard for like people his size to come back from that injury. Yeah. And then I think it's kind of like what Melo had to go through. When you see a player get cut from a team a couple times and it looks like whatever situations they went to was, wasn't working, yeah. people are quick to say like, oh, that person's done, that person's done because it didn't work out here, it didn't work out there. Oh, they that. went there and they came off the bench. It's, I think it's those two things that are kind of going against him. So I think people are seeing the injury and kind of counting them out like, oh, he's been through too many injuries, back-to-back. It's hard to come back from those type of things. And then they're looking like, okay, he's been trying to come back, but this stop ain't work. That stop ain't work. Right. So obviously he's done. So they're just going to throw that label like, oh, he's done. But sometimes even with rookies, it may take you to go a couple situations, yeah. a couple different places. And kind of like what I was saying – before, like he may, he's learning each spot he goes to mm-hmm. about how he can fit into this new role. Because you, if you remember, before he got hurt, he was still a twenty and ten player. He yeah. was still maybe the second option, first option. So to come back from into a couple injuries, and then you being a, you coming off the bench, 
you're not getting as much minutes. You're not getting as much touches. That takes some time to adjust to. So I think that is why they're like, okay, he's done. And they're not really seeing, like, the situation that he's in. I, I hate that because going back to a guy, like you said, you know, I'm a Bulls fan. And, you know, Derrick Rose, everybody knows that, well, you know, what his situation was with the knee injuries and sitting out a year. And I never understood how even Bulls fans were mad at him. If the man says, I'm not ready, then damn it, he, he isn't ready. The last thing a pro athlete wants to do or needs to do is play when he knows that his body can use a little bit more time, okay? Yes, I know it's, at the time it was, what, like 20, I don't know, whatever year it was, and medicine was obviously advanced, so uh, an ACL injury isn't, you know, the devastating thing as it used to be. But still, everybody recovers differently. So I wanted to tie that into Boogie because my thing about labeling a guy done when I feel is premature is I can see if he was averaging those same 18 minutes and getting three points a game, but that's not the case. Like, let them play first. Let him average... 18 points, I'm sorry, 18 minutes a game, average three points a game, then you can call him done. But until that happens, I, I just hate I hate that narrative. And it happens a lot. Rose, Cousins, thing, uh, I mean, whoever else I can't think of right now. But hopefully it doesn't happen to Clay. I don't think it'll happen to Clay, but we'll see. Um, you're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on uh, Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. I'm on the line with my buddy Kason Davis. Kason, man, I wanted to ask you who right now is – you, asked, you already talked about the MVP. What about Coach of the Year? Is it Thibodeau for you, or is it uh, Quinn Snyder out in Utah? Uh, that It's one of those. I also think Monty Williams for the Suns. Yes, about yes. MVP being MVP. I think those three guys would be the top of the list right now. Obviously, I think, again, with the Suns and the Jazz, it's going to come down to who gets that one seed. They're okay. both battling for that one seed. So whoever ends up with the one seed, I think, well, it would look like they had a better season. So I think that's where the voters may sway. And then as far as the Knicks, I think Tiffany's up there. I don't know if they'll give it to him, but I, I, I think he's, he's definitely up there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would give it to him, period. And I know best record or whatever, but I, to me he's doing a lot more with a lot less than those guys out west. So that's yeah. a lot. I know he's in the Eastern Conference, but I don't care. You know, you, the turnaround and the culture change that you see is, is literally night and day with the Knicks. And people are probably going to want to play there now because of him. Let's just be honest with you, regardless of what they have going on in the front office. But what about Rookie of the Year? Two questions, okay? I'm assuming you're giving it to Anthony Edwards, or are you? But what about before uh, Ball got hurt? You know, was it cold rookie of the year for you as it was for me, or were you giving it to Ball? I was giving it to Ball before he got hurt. I think he was kind of running away with it. I think Anthony Edwards was catching up, but what was going to hurt him to me is how he kind of started off slow. Yeah, Lamella Ball kind of came out the gate kind of from the start of the season, and it is like a whole season award. So before Ball got hurt, I was going to give it to him. I think now, obviously, it'll probably go to Anthony Edwards. But to me, it's going to be interesting to see how the people vote because some people still may think Ball could win it. And he, there was reports recently that he may be back before yeah. the end of the season. So if he can come back and maybe play a couple of games and still look the same, I think some people may still try to get him in there possibly. But I think, unfortunately, because of the injury, how much time he missed, that it's shown like in past that that might hurt you in the voting. So... I think it might go to Anthony Edwards right now. It's going to be interesting to see how they vote because, like last season, Zion probably would have won. I don't want to put shade on anything John Morant because I love him. He's a great player. He's going to be a great player for a really long time. However, um, 
my feeling is that Zion probably would have won it had he not missed so much time. And I kind of liken that to this year because, okay, you have Ball who's, like you said, running away with it, and he was uh, before he got hurt. But then is it one of those things that, oh, you missed too much time, you can't? I mean, are they, are they going to be consistent like, like last year? Because there was still talk, oh, maybe Zion can win it. Because he was averaging over 20. He only played in a handful of games, and I get it, you know, whatever. But – you can't give it to a guy that played that little game. You know, you, you look at this, uh, the body of work that Ja put in. So I'm, I'm wondering to see if, okay, if they say he missed too much time and they still give it to him, and it's like, well, why didn't you – you couldn't do that last year. Maybe Zion missed too much time. I don't know. Or if they give it to Edwards, we'll see. But uh, what about – well, we talked about most improved. We did that already. What about defensive player of the year? I'm stuck on that one because – a lot of people say Ben Simmons, but to me, I, I really don't know who to pick because it's, there's no guy that stands out to me. Yeah, definitely. I kind of agree with you. Obviously, Gobert in the Jazz there, he wins it like every year. And right. He's kind of – so he's obviously one. He's going to be up there every year, I think, until he kind of slows down. Mm-hmm. But I think if like – like you said, I'm kind of stuck on it too. I, I'm going to have to go with what everybody's been saying and kind of <laughs> go with Ben Simmons. Yeah. I think he – he made a case for himself the other day when he was kind of, I think he like took a little jab at Gobert. Yes, but uh, <laughs> I think right now, off the top of my head, like you said, I don't think there's one guy that's like really, really standing out. Yeah. Kind of like when, you know, when Kawhi won his two. Exactly. You were like, okay. You know what I mean? Like he was standing out. Like Kawhi was doing things on the defensive end that right. kind of like he deserves it. Like you said, I don't think there's no one out there that stands out. But I'm going I'm to have to go with Ben right now. I hear you. I hear you. What about comeback player of the year? Is that Steph Curry? Uh, you know, like yes, but it's like we kind of expect this from Steph. So it's like, is it a comeback? Because it's not like he, he went down. It's kind of like he was just hurt. Yeah. So it's like, but if I guess like yeah, because like he was hurt and kind of before he got hurt too, he wasn't playing that well. I think those couple games showed him how he can figure out how he can still create in this new offense without uh-huh. playing and things like that. So I think, yeah, off, off the top right now, I would, I would give it to Steph, even though, like I said, it's kind of weird because it's like, it's not like he went down. He was just hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, yeah. I hear that. You're right. If it's a, but comeback play of the year, I guess it can go for someone that was hurt too. So, yeah. I hear that. I hear that. And um, just only, only because we got to go, because trust me, I could do this a whole segment, a whole two segments with you, maybe even a whole show with you, but only, only because we got to go in a little bit. Let me ask you one more thing. What – you hear me? You there, Kaysa? Yeah. Kaysa? Okay, yeah, I hear you. Um, what is it that you're looking forward to towards the end of the season? Is there a particular story – pre- oh, excuse me, a particular storyline that has you intrigued with the last three weeks of the season? Maybe it's certain teams jockeying for certain positions. I'll tell you what's on my mind, and I don't know if it's the same as yours. You know how uh, it was rumored for a couple of years ago, a couple teams uh, looking ahead and saying, okay, we're going to make the playoffs, but let's let's – not play so hard or sit these guys because we really don't want to see such and such team in the first or the second round. So let's just stay put right here, maybe even drop a little so we can advance so we can advance the second or third round and um, and and get deep into the playoffs. Are you looking at teams kind of jockeying for position? Are you looking at the Lakers and getting healthy? Are you looking at the Nets and getting healthy? Because health is going to be a major storyline heading into the playoffs. And I hope I hope we don't see injuries like Jamal Murray anymore for the season. 
Yeah, I think it's a couple things. Obviously, like you said, the injuries. Because if the Nets aren't injured, another team may come out the East because yeah. a lot of people expect them. So that kind of makes – even though the East is kind of open right now, but it kind of you know takes one contender maybe out in the East. Right. And the same thing with the Lakers in the West. Obviously, if LeBron's not healthy and he can't go and AD's not 100%, then we may see a new, t- a new team come out the West. Yeah. So injuries, one. Two, like you were saying, the play-in thing. It's going to be interesting because um, – who uh, someone did it a couple years ago and they like blew their last game so they can play a certain team in the mm-hmm, first round. Mm-hmm. Now, now with the playing, it's like you don't know who you're going to play, exactly. so you can't kind of you can't kind of do that. So, and then the playing tournament in general, the Wizards have worked their way back up yeah, to the man. top to get in. And then those teams have to go at each other, so the Warriors may end up having to play maybe the Blazers in the in the playing game or the those. Uh, the Grizzlies and the War and the Blazers—they were going at it a little bit. They may have to play in the playing game. So I think the playing tournament itself would be interesting, just to see who gets those positions, right. and then to see who the top two seeds will have to play. I think a couple teams in the West at the bottom, like the Warriors and the Blazers. I think a couple of those top teams, like the Suns and the Jazz, probably don't want to see maybe those teams in the first round. I hear that. No, I hear that. And look. We, we saw what Te- Steph Curry did in, in 10 games. And, you know, in the playoffs, there's no reason to think that he will get back to that or ratchet it up, you know, ratchet up again. But he hit something like, I think it was, I can't remember the number. I want to say it was either 60-something or 80-something threes in the month of, uh, in, in April so far. And that's just something that I don't think, not I don't think, I've never seen that. I don't know if you have, maybe in, I don't know what, but, can you tell me how, how like how impressed you were by that? Because I know we saw Kobe do something like that, and to me, Kobe's run of those points that he had back in 2012 and then back in the 2002-2003 season, to me it was more impressive than Steph's run because he, he did it without hitting all of those threes. Tell me how you felt about you know what I just said. I think it's amazing, obviously, with Steph. First, well, how many records Steph has kind of broke, like three-point records? Seeing him break another record yeah, is still right. kind of surprising. <laughs> so, it's, so it's just like you you expect this from him, but then when he does this, you, you see like, okay, he still can take it to another level yeah. if you needed to. And it's kind of like you already think he's at the top. So you see him do something like this, and it's like, oh, he just he just keeps getting better and yeah. things like that. So it's it's like – I don't want to say, like, you expect it, but it's, like, unexpected still at the same time. It's just like, <laughs> wow, I didn't even know he could still break records with all the three-point records right. he already broken. But he still – I think it's good for Steph because even my co-host, Rich, he was talking about how people are talking about Steph can't lead teams and things like that. And if Steph comes out and does this, I think it was good for him to show that, like, I can still lead a team. I am – yeah. I that, that guy, I still can like he kind of put people back on notice. I think with KD going mm-hmm. there, and then what happened last year, a lot of people were kind of a little down on Steph a little bit. Like his career was taking a little bit of a hit, if it can take a hit. Like a couple people, right. the critics were trying to get at him a little bit, but I think now it's kind of <laughs> like a he shut them up a little bit. So it's still it's good to see. No, it is, and the thing again that was because of injury, or I'm assuming that you know the people talking about Steph is this, Steph is that last year. I mean, the guy was hurt. What do you? 
I don't know if that was part of their equation and feeling that way, but um, we got to get your boy Chris on the show. I would love to have a roundtable discussion with the three of us. That would be cool. We got we to gotta set that up next time because um, I was thinking about it today, and I was like, damn, it's probably too late, but um, we, we got to do that. But, yeah, man, as you said, you know, when you think, you know, Steph can't do anything more to impress you, there he goes and he does that. And um, I don't know, man, it's exciting to watch. It's just a shame because you know it's going to be kind of like a wasted season if you don't finish first at the end and you finish like everybody else, you know, losing and last. So because we all play for championships, nobody cares about getting to the playoffs or getting to the finals because that doesn't bring, in, it doesn't bring anything to your career or the, the stadium that you're playing or the arena that you're playing in terms of hanging a banner. But um, – we're at the bottom of the hour, man, and I got to let you go. I hate to do that, but I got to let you go. But the good thing about it is is it definitely won't be the last time. Yeah, definitely. I, again, always appreciate you having me on. Appreciate the show and, uh, you know, keep doing your thing. Damn, man, I appreciate it. And um, I'm serious about, about getting your boy on here the next time we talk. We got to work on that, all right? Oh, yeah, we'll, def- we'll definitely get that done. I'm sure he'll love to come on. <laughs> all right, cool, man. Kason Davis, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for that for calling in, and we're going to go ahead and take our last break of the show right now, and we'll be back on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Mike McCoy Show on Sirius XM, Channel 145, Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you, holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Josh Gordon is suspended after his fiasco for violating terms of conditional reinstatement. He tried to play that one off by saying, I'm going to step down. All of a sudden, it caught up to him mighty fast. He failed the drug test, didn't he? Said he was predicting he was having mental health problems by virtue of knowing he was in trouble. No, he knew they were about to knock on his door, which is he wasn't able to run out of the house fast enough. They're going to knock on his door? Or would they, I mean, could they at least ring the doorbell? Let me describe this to you. Frank, oh, oh yeah. Oh, I, that, that, that's uh, scaringly accurate. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. 
Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, you know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. That was a fun segment. It always is a fun segment, talking hoops with Kason Davis. And I texted him last night. I said, hey, Kason, man, you want to come on the show? We got to talk some hoops. The last time we did it was, you know, before the All-Star break. He was like, all right, um, what do you want to talk about? I said, man, we, we let's just play it by ear, man. <laughs> let's just play it by ear. Let's go. So I just had my laptop open. I'm kind of going through notes, and I'm like, oh, okay, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that. And uh, we were just shooting from the hip. But um, thanks, everybody, for continuing to tune in to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Again, that was Kason Davis in the last segment. We were talking some hoops. If you missed it, uh, we'll have the show up later on. And a couple segments before that, you missed it. Chris Felica of ESPN's College Game Day was on, and that was a great, great 20 minutes of, you know, talking college football and his, his experiences on the set. He's been with Game Day since 1996, and when you think about all the changes that went down or that have gone down with that show, it's just kind of amazing, man. From one hour to now, it's three hours leading up to the, to the noon kickoff, and that show is literally a cultural phenomenon, and it's just one of the like the best, I don't know if I should call it a studio show, since it's technically not in a studio, but I'm going to go ahead and call it that anyway. I think it's still considered a studio show. It's a traveling studio yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, that, and you think about Inside the NBA on, on TNT, and those are probably the best two. And you think about like the football ones on ESPN, when Berman would get on, you know, primetime, prime that's time. just epic right there. But... Uh, the last segment of the show, we haven't done it in a couple weeks just because things have been kind of different with the layout of the show. But we're going to go ahead and get back to talking about just, you know, whatever we have on the back of our minds, Frank and I. And we were doing this for a couple weeks, and like I said, it stopped. But being since it is Jessica Alba's birthday, we wanted to talk about some of the movies that she's been in. And I'm looking down the list right here on IMBD. How did you feel about Awake? Frank, how did you feel about that movie? Uh, I never saw it, to be honest. Really? Yeah, I never saw it. <clears throat> so it's about a guy that goes into a surgery, right? Mm -hmm. And apparently this happens very, very, very rarely where you don't get enough of the, uh, what is it called when they, anesthesia, anesthesia right. and he feels like the entire surgery. I've he's heard, sleeping. That. Yeah, that's awful. Crazy. So he's asleep. His eyes are closed. He can't move. But he feels everything. Yes. Oh, God, that's Can you imagine that? Bro. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> so it's about that. That came out in 2007. I didn't see the entire movie, but I saw enough of it to, you know, to know what goes on. And so that she's in that. I forgot that she was in that one, to be honest with you. But Fantastic Four, did you see that one? I did see that one. Yeah. I did not. Any of the the Marvel action superhero movies I, I saw them. How can you not see them? I'm surprised your brother your your son hasn't bothered you to watch it yet. Probably because I haven't really introduced him okay. into Fantastic Four, but uh, even still, you know, with an iPad, these kids nowadays they're like they know anything before you do. So, what about um, Fantastic Four? Real quick, though, weren't the greatest of the Marvel movies. That's probably it wasn't the, right. I think that was on the bottom tier of all. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't know she was in the Office, the TV show. Really? Oh yeah, she was in the Office. I had she no wasn't idea. In there long though. No. Oh, okay. Well, that's probably why she was Sophie in the Office. Mm-hmm. So she was in that and. Uh, Little Fockers. I don't remember her in Little Fockers. I didn't see Little Fockers. That was the third one of the installment. Meet the Parents, right? Yeah, Meet the Parents. That was the third one. But other than that, um, oh, she was in Entourage. She was in Entourage. I never saw Entourage. I didn't have HBO at the time. Okay. (laughs) That's another one I didn't see, but um, I've heard great things about it. Penelope Cruz was in Blow, and we were talking about that off air. And Frank is pushing me to go watch that movie like right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, look I, I get it. It's a drug reference type movie and all that. By the way, one of my favorite topic of movies, by the way, because like, <laughs> so you kind of fit the documentary role plus the action and the thrill part are all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Blow is on a, on a character. It's a true story of George oh, Young. True story. Was the name of the was the guy. Okay. And. Kind of got into, he was a college student, moved across the, co- across the country, started dabbling into selling a little bit of grass, and right. then kind of the power got to his head, Oof. and he wanted more, and mm-hmm. he wanted more, and he wanted more, got him into the cocaine game, and before you know it, he was one of the biggest kingpins in, uh, or biggest smugglers in the United States. Wow. But wow. it's crazy, man, and, and the cast in that movie is phenomenal. And the first time that I ever saw it, I wasn't wanting to watch it. Uh-huh. Like, they were like, blow, that sounds dumb. <laughs> okay, cool, cocaine, it sounds dumb. But it... it Bro, you're in it, like, right off the bat. You're in it. And I think Johnny Depp is such a phenomenal actor. He's a chameleon, bro. That guy can yeah, act. In no, fact, sure. I didn't know who Johnny Depp was until I saw Pirates of the Caribbean. And not because, now I'm not talking about 2020. I'm talking about, like, 2002. The first one, so yeah. So I wasn't even sure who Johnny Depp was. And I'm sitting there, and I walk out of the theater, and I go, so who is Johnny Depp? <laughs> They're like, it's a pirate. I'm like, that didn't look like Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp's Edward Scissorhands. They're like, oh, it's a pirate. I'm like, Wow, that was a day that I was yeah, no, oh, yeah, yeah, a great actor. And it was that movie was funny. That was my favorite Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, if you ask me, and I did see all of those. The but, first uh, one was the best one. Yeah, that's that's that's. And it wasn't that the other ones were bad. It's just that was my personal favorite. But you know what? Something just hit my head. Stick on the topic of uh, those type of movies that Blow is. What did you see? American Gangster. I did. Did you see the whole thing? Yes, yes. Denzel Washington. Oh, my God. Phenomenal. I had no idea, just like how you said, Blow was a true story. I had no idea American Gangster was a true story until like a year after it came out. But what's his name in the movie? Frank. Frank White. Frank, man. Let me tell you something. That's one guy, okay? You talk about Scarface. We'll talk about Scarface, too. Who, who's like the more, like, Godfather, Scarface, Frank White? Who, 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 who's the one like, okay, I'm not messing with that guy? Probably the Godfather, to be honest with you, because... Um, I think he held more of an organization, mm. the Godfather. You have you have, you have yeah. your workers, the the, the the drug <laughs> game. You know you have the main guy, and then you have little. But everything is just it's it, it's too much emotion, and just has to do over the product. Mm-hmm. The mafia, the Godfather, has to do with the neighborhood. It has to do with the family. Family has to do with the businesses. Has to do with everything wow. around, surrounding the neighborhood. 
So I, I would not want to mess with some sort of mob <laughs> godfather <laughs> guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> a guy that there, I'm going to leave a lot of details out of this story. But uh, where I would go get my hair cut several years ago when I was, a, you know, when I was a kid, there was one of, uh, how can I say this without leaving who he is? Well, I have to leave who he is out of it. Um, he would go get his hair cut there, right? And he was dating a beautiful, beautiful woman. She was half Italian and half Greek. And she was just one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. And plus, I have a thing for girls that kind of have like cornrows and braids. I, I just love the look, okay? Mm -hmm. So long story short, she's Italian and her family's, you know, like mob and mafioso or whatever. So I remember her telling, she would go to the barbershop because her boyfriend went to the barbershop and she would have conversations with uh, one of the barbers there who was a female. And I heard her saying, yeah, you know, the family told me not to kind of deal with him because they know how athletes can be or whatever. But they supported me and they told me to tell him that as long as you don't make her cry, we won't make you cry. So good point with not dealing with the the mob side of things there because that's a that's a good listen, call. Listen, it's intimidating. <laughs> if you've ever dated a woman that's Italian or partially Italian, it's intimidating, especially if the Italian side comes from a father's side of the family. Mm. So my cousin, my Vinny? dad's sister, <laughs> my dad's sister married an Italian man. You know, um, this guy is like the most caring, sweetest person you ever meet in his life. But when you get into his his bubble into his conversation bubble, you think that the music is playing in the background. You feel like it's playing in the background when you're talking to him. Like, you feel like nothing else exists other than him. And, like, he has, like, this bass on this tone. And the way he, it's like he's singing to you. And, like, before you know it, you feel like he's singing you this song, and he's just, like, threatened your life. And you're just like, how did this just happen? Like, we were just... And you're not even insulted. You're and just I'm like, not even insulted, but I'm threatened for my life. <laughs> but how does this go? So I kind of had him, and we can cut that. I kind of <laughs> had him, right, as kind of like my mentor of how to deal with an Italian father-in-law. <laughs> oh, God. But I dated this Italian girl, like, in okay. 2003. We were together oh. for, like, seven years. Um, her father was Italian, always gave that big Italian aura, loved those mafia movies, loved New York, everything <laughs> New York. <laughs> it's like, like, like Larry and him would get along. Uh -huh. So he's like, oh, come on, I'm gonna, let's have a conversation about my little girl. And I'm like, no, you know, David, we're, we're, uh, we're good. Look, listen, I come from an Italian family myself. I know how this conversation goes, you know. You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to threaten me. Yeah, I'm already yeah. scared for my life. It is what he's like, no, come on, look. Yo, I got these guns. Are you can help me help me out. So he had just gotten a job as a customs border patrol. Oh God! And he was cleaning all the guns and stuff like that. So I had never really held a gun. Oh God! I was about 19 years old, and <laughs> I wanted. I was like, all right, cool. Hey, this guy's trying to bond with me. Yeah. I load up his clip, having a conversation. Don't even realize I'm loading the clip. No. He's like, are you counting? And I go, yes, sir. And he goes, okay. Finish loading the clip. I gave him the clip, and he goes, how many are in there? I told him 11 or 10 or whatever it was. And he goes, good. Now you know how many bullets are in my gun. <laughs> <laughs> that is not right, What man. are you supposed to say to <laughs> What am <laughs> I supposed to say to that? I don't know what I would say. I would just look at him and be like, oh, okay, is we going to get something to eat now? Where's your daughter? That's not cool, man. A 19-year-old. Yeah, what do you say to that? That's, that's not fair. So I poop my pants a little bit, not to say the least, and I carry it on. Thank God. No longer have to deal with that in my life. Is is Larry the type of dad, the Italian guy, that's going to deal with uh, Amanda's 
soon-to-be boyfriend a certain way because we're talking about mafioso and all of that stuff and Godfather and, you know, Frank just had a story of how his ex-girlfriend's dad, okay, had him cleaning out a gun, loading a clip, and now he knows how many bullets are in there. Oh, man, I feel bad for Amanda's boyfriend. I feel bad for Amanda. Oh, Amanda's doing fine. <laughs> she appreciates the line of security. She appreciates it. As far as the guys, well, I'll give you an example. There was a boy who thought, well, my boy is also part of Slam Radio now. He thought he was cool with Amanda for her 15s. And, uh, oh, boy. Yeah, have you ever seen the, uh, the movie Bad Boys 2? Yes, of course. Do you remember the scene when Reggie comes to pick up yes. the girl for the day? Yes, yes. <laughs> he reenacted the Reggie scene to the point where this young man comes in from time to time on a show, and uh -huh. he has, he's a character on the morning show. Okay. And we call him Cowboy Reggie. Okay. Because he likes to wear a cowboy hat, and we call him Reggie because <laughs> he was Reggie in that little interaction a few years back. Um, yeah, I'm that guy. Oh, God. I have a good friend of mine whose daughter is dating a, an older boy. Oh. And he comes from college and he comes with a teddy bear and he's happy to see her and they take a picture and she's so happy and he's got... I'm, I'm going to probably break the McCoy rule here. He's got a shit-eating grin on his face. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and they show me the picture and I immediately get incredibly upset. And the girl looks at me and the mom looks at me and then they go, what are you getting upset for? I go, what the hell is he smiling so much for? <laughs> And they all start laughing. Go, it ain't funny. You tell him that I'm asking that. Well, what the hell is he laughing so much for? Is there something funny? Is he pulling a fast one on us? I go, tell him to wipe God. that grin off his face if he knows what's good for him. If not, I'll wipe it off for him. I told you. I and told you, you know guy what? Guy. The mom tells me, she goes, you're the third person. The two other uncles said the same thing. No. And so the stepfather goes, I did too. <laughs> you smiling too much. You get away with something? So what does Amanda tell you, Dad? I really like this one. Can you calm it down? Like what? Like no, how does that conversation go? I don't go? do that. So what I do is I'm really, I'm really low key. Like I, I'm pretty good to Amanda when it comes to that stuff. Okay. Good. The problem is, is I have to be very good because according to everybody, I instill the fear of God in them. You've, you, you've actually confirmed this. All I do is text him. I need to talk to you. He says he feels like he gets called to the principal's <laughs> That's office. So true. He has that look. And you're a grown ass man. <laughs> so like, if you're afraid of me. <laughs> That is so true. The first time I circled him, like, I was a shark. Like, just to make sure that I had the proper, like, line of a sight and the proper <laughs> attack. So I so to make I sure. He's got that look in his face. <laughs> so because I bring this out in people, I, I'm always really timid okay. about how I... So, oh, man, I don't want to scare her off. But they usually do something wrong within the first 30 seconds, and then it's over. They always screw it up. They're dumb. Oh, my God. That is funny. They're dumb. They, they don't know. They can't figure out right from wrong. They can't figure out what they're supposed to be doing, so they don't know how to act. But as long as the boy is responsible right. and he is respectful, you know, then he won't he won't suffer an untimely death. He'll be fine. <laughs> and it's completely different for Anthony, right? Oh, Anthony. Well, Anthony has a different set of rules. Anthony, how many girlfriends you got? Three. That's not enough. <laughs> not fair. Anthony Anthony does well in the in in the space of women. <laughs> Plus one to five years older than him. Oh, For some oh. reason, the older girls hey. seem to like Anthony. Cool girl. Okay. So, you know, whether they're <laughs> a year older or in some cases four, four or five years older. <laughs> For him. He smiles through it and they just think he's so cute. And the next thing you know. Hey, hold on a minute, Mike. When you were in high school and you were the freshman, how did you label yourself as the king? <sighs> label myself.
myself as the king. I at least feel like well, the king. Well, you want to know what? When I was a freshman in high school, uh, I played basketball four years, right? There was a senior that had the hots for me. Wow. She was very cute. Wow. And then one of my teammates was telling me, Mike, she doesn't like you. She really, really likes Mike. you. And I, I never approached her. Mike. I never approached Mike. her. Well, that was the king status right there. I just the had it in my back pocket. I just had it in my back pocket. You no. sat on it and crumbled it up. It doesn't matter anymore. But I, I felt like I was the freshman. But I'll tell you what. We always had like the area of the school where the athletes hung out. And I, I was an athlete, but I wasn't there because I was a freshman. She always hung out with the athletes. And I don't know you if. just felt like she was frying figure, bigger fish. Yeah, you know like, you know. Yeah. But, but it was well-known, like. Mike, she really wants you. Every time I walked by, it was just like she, you know, I had her attention. And that enough, that was good for me enough. That was enough. So you were like living rent-free in her head. Pretty much. I, I'm man. getting, you know pretty what? I, I think I think Mike made the right decision because I'm getting some groupie type vibes from this girl. She's hanging out with the athlete, Exactly. The that new was, freshman, the fresh meat comes in. Oh, I haven't had him yet. Let me grab the him. The fact that she was an mm-hmm. athlete lover, I didn't, mm-hmm. you know. I'm getting some red flags here. Well, <laughs> good call, Mike. Hold on, man. <laughs> it's not like he was 38. Oh, he's married now. I can't even say it like that. Not like he was older and single. He was young. Still gotta read the flag. Crazy, yeah. crazy, whether it's five, six, or eighteen. Yeah. Crazy's always crazy. Crazy yeah. doesn't have an age limit. Oh, I know. The cray crazy. So I, <laughs> I, mean, I could <laughs> I could have played the card, Woo! but I didn't. But that happened in high school. And I mean, hey, look, I had a great four years, but I, I didn't take advantage of that one. So Frank, so, that's 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 that. Amanda's safe. I mean, Amanda can do what she gotta do. I think she's safe. She I I'm not that ogre-ish. And the thing is, there's a bunch of guys that are kind of having her back. You, Frank here, me. So people kind of know that, and they probably her don't Her godfather, wanna... her uncle. Yeah, it's <laughs> tough. It rolls thick. We were talking about movies before you got here, and we're going to go in a little bit. You're listening to the Michael McCoy show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. And it just, you know, it happened that we were talking about, you know, the Italians and the men and their family, and then you walked in. So that's why I asked you about that. But before that, we were talking about... You know, movies and kind of there was a theme going on. We were talking about American Gangster. We were talking about The Godfather. We were I'm talking man. about Blow. And then I told, was telling Frank, we got to talk about uh, Scarface because you know there's bad guys and you know the villains in that movie, so to speak, for lack of a better phrase. You got Scarface, Tony Montana. You got uh, one you ever seen one you ever seen a bad guy dressed like this? Who you? Who I asked Frank and he told me. Okay. Who are you? And he, the reason was because of the Italian part and the mob boss thing. But who are you? Who, who's the who's the bad or bad guy? You got Tony. You got uh, can't hear you. It was Frank Lucas. Frank Frank, Frank Lucas, Lucas. American, American gangster. Okay, my man Denzel played the role. And of course, you got the Godfather. Who is the boss of bosses out of those guys? Well, it depends what you're looking for. Oh man. Because if you're looking for a true <laughs> wartime dog. Mm. It doesn't get any better than Vito. Mm. Vito's the man. He knows how to deal in the wartime. He knows how to deal with his people. Mm. Maybe he doesn't have a wartime conciliary with Tom Hagen, but, you know, <laughs> he knows the streets. He knows. Now, of course, if it's not Vito, I mean, let's be honest here. Tony's crazy. Tony Montana's a nut. But he, yes. not, he doesn't lead a family. Crazy. He leads Tony Montana. Killed, killed this boy. I also went with the mafia role, right? Yeah. Because... Bro, it takes a it takes a powerful individual when he doesn't have to kill you and he tells others to whack you for him. Yeah. 
Well, Tony would whack business. you. It's never Tony business. would whack you. Frank would whack you with his own bare hands. His own bare hands. The Vito, the Dons won't. They're like, hey, take care of that guy but from me. They weren't in the killing business, man. They were in the business of making money. They weren't. They were protecting their neighborhoods. Right? So when when these other guys were protecting drugs, these guys were protecting their neighborhood. Yeah. I'd rather not deal with the guy protecting the neighborhood than the guy protecting the drugs because at the end of the day, I'm not going to mess with the drugs, so I don't have to worry about that guy. <laughs> I got to worry about the, with the guy that handles, that runs the businesses, that runs the, the streets, people, that runs yeah. all of it. Especially if I got to live in the neighborhood. Especially if he ends up putting a horse head in your bed. Yeah. Like, that's just kind of, that scene is... Oh! <laughs> that is insane. I mean, good, good answers. Good answers. You got. You don't want. You got to protect. I've seen streets. the movie a few times. I never saw the third one. Sorry. Why? <laughs> he I broke s- his heart. Sorry. Why won't you see the third? I never saw the third one. It brings both stories together. Really? Don't listen to people tell you it stinks. Yeah, it's not I've, as good as the first. That's two. exactly what they've told okay, me. Okay, so it's not as good as the first two, but it ties everything together. Okay. How would you not watch? I haven't watched it. I started to, and then I just... of a triumvirate of movies like those. Yes, it's not one or two. One or two are magnificent. This one is above average, but not great. Okay. Sofia Coppola ruins it, but thank God she ruins it because then she becomes the amazing director that she is today. Because if she thought she would have had some sort of uh, career in acting, we would have been screwed to have to see her in any other (laughs) movie. She was that bad. (laughs) Yeah, Andy Garcia, who really did a great job being... The temperamental son of Sonny Corleone. I'm sorry. I thought it tied everything in one. Okay, okay. I, I, maybe I'm just different, but I like the way it tied in. It wasn't as good as one or two. Two's my favorite, by the way. Two's your favorite? Two's my favorite. I like the old school version of one. I like how that rolls. But two just brings something out. It ties in a lot of things. I like the two stories going on at once. Frank, you saw the third one? I did. Uh, I saw pieces. I've never seen it completely through. Okay, okay. My no, favorite part of two is when they, when they whacked Don Fanucci. The black hand. Yeah, I, re- I remember that. I remember that. Hey, Don Farouji! <laughs> <laughs> there's just, and maybe, maybe I have to see the third one for, you know, whatever, but there's just something about Scar. Maybe it's the whole Miami thing. Maybe it's that, the whole you know come up I don't story. Like Scarface, but he loves it. I'm not, I love it. I'm not a big fan. Yeah, no, I love it, man. It's not as Miami as you may think it is, though. Yeah, they, they filmed like 14 minutes of it in Miami. Everything else is in LA. Really? Fact. I didn't know that. I mean, I know the 95 part. And that's about it. They got it. so much crap here because Miami didn't want them to film it here because it brought such a negative image to the city. I had city. no idea. They had to move it out. But, I mean, this is, this is, I mean, the negative image was going to come anyway because look what Miami was in the 80s. It was a negative image. So, what the hell? It walks that's like horrible. a duck and quacks like a duck, then quack, quack. It's a duck. And we were wow, man. in the 80s. I don't know what the heck was wrong with people, but we were quacking. Yeah. We were doing. And what did they want? What did they expect? I mean, Miami Vice was filled around that time. and that was It was the- okay to have Miami Vice because yeah. it was every week. and. Uh, but, but, you know, whatever. Miami's an interesting town. Man. Yeah, we looked it up, man, and, like, every scene was pretty much filled in Los Angeles. Like, even the house, even the scene with his mom, that they go to his mom's to house. To his mom's house? There's a city in the back, and that's the city of Los Angeles. That's the city of Los Angeles. That's, that's not horrible. even in Miami. That's horrible. No, now, because the scene you on South Beach where, they, where, where the whole crew, that's, like, that's Right. Did you know, my brother told me this, that whole, when he goes to get the, the whole axe scene in the Colombian, that's, that's where, it's not there anymore, the, the, the Johnny Rockets that's on Ocean. That was the same building. Yes. Well, yeah, but they have a TV playing the movie with the with the plaque on the building that says that this is where Scarface was filmed. That's awesome. I think the, I mean the Johnny Rockets might have closed down because the Johnny Rockets, or whatever. But 
the, yeah, that building's there and it has a TV on it. Allows people to take pictures and stuff. My brother told me he took the steps up to you know that apartment or whatever. Yeah. Like you can go to the door and everything. Well, like I don't know if you can go to the door anymore. The steps oh, are there. The initial okay. steps are there, but then they have like some sort of a gate oh. to not allow you to go all the way to the building because imagine they they have yeah no hundreds of people. That's a tourist attraction. So they have the initial steps, but yeah, then they so have some sort of like door block. Time to figure out that's where it is. That's where it right, is. Right, 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 right. That's crazy. That's crazy. How long? I've never done that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I t- bro, nobody goes to the, nobody goes to South Beach, right? We talked about <laughs> when it. When I go to entire, South Beach, we talk, I, walk, I go, which one is it? Then I just keep walking. Yeah, we talked oh. about it dur- during the whole South Spring Break situation. We don't go to South Beach. That's no. true. But the last time I went to South Beach, I had family down from Tennessee, New York, wherever it was that they came down, and they wanted to go to South Beach. Like, you don't go to South Beach? We don't go to South Beach. <laughs> you, you live in New York. Do you go to Times Square? No, we <laughs> no. don't go to South Beach. <laughs> the same thing. But then we, we walked by. I remember pointing. I'm like, hey, you saw Scarface. That's where they filmed it. Wow, that's I had no idea. Thank you for that factoid, ladies and gentlemen. That most of the freaking movie was not even filmed here, but it whatever. It is what it is. Um, we're out of time. We're out of time, and it's near the top of the hour, and I'm done. I, my day was better than yours. I got to talk to Chris Velika of freaking College Game Day, and that was one heck of a segment. If you missed it, shame on you, but the good news is you can catch it again on the podcast. I'll go ahead and tweet it, and... Um, Man, Kason Davis, come on after that, talk some hoops. And then we just closed it off with, you know, two of my favorite people in the world talking some some movies. And we had a Godfather impression. Yeah. I, don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I wasn't <laughs> expecting to have to come on the air like this. A little curmudgeon, to be honest with you. Like That's to, how you should talk to her boyfriend. I don't like to be ambushed this way, you know? You should talk to her. You walked in the studio. It was perfect timing, man. But you should talk to Amanda's boyfriend. Well, they, they claim I, I instill the fear of God just by walking in. Just look at him and give him one of those little, like, chinky, tight smiles that you love to give. That's when I know you're up to something. Wear, like, those those wife-beater undershirts and open the door. That smile. This is the a... one that worries him. When I go. Oh. oh. <laughs> He's seen me right before doing some major damage. Go. Uh, I, that Note taken. That's not a good look to have from Larry. That's not a good look to have from Larry. Bro, I'll be on this side of the gl- glass. He'll look at me like that. Right there where you're sitting, he'll look at me. I'll be like, oh, no. What's going to happen? <laughs> look, yo, you guys do your work. Be careful. Milian's on a, on a, on a war path. Oh, God. I have a couple of near fist fights, a firing, a bunch of stuff I've a done flooding. with my face. Is that? A flooding. A flooding. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you off there. Oh, about the God. I want to hear that one. Yeah. And we'll end with that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it's been a great time. Hope everybody's Wednesday continues to roll for them. Uh, we'll be back same time, same place next week. You've been listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145, Slam Radio. The views and opinions expressed on The Michael McCoy Show are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. The views and opinions expressed on The Michael McCoy Show are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.